I had no knowledge of the Underground Railroad. <laughs> I feel like the school system failed me greatly in that regard. Run, Mary, run. Run, Martha, run. Run, Mary, run, I say. You've got a right to the tree of life. You've got a right to the tree of life. Yeah. That's Flint musician Anthony Feimster Jr., better known as Feimstro. There are so many parts of American history and Michigan history that are, quite frankly, hard to talk about. That's one of the reasons the National Park Service's National Underground Railroad Network to Freedom program is producing an artist video series. It's called Questioning Conversations. The Thanksgiving after the Civil War must have been terrible. It must have just been people sitting around the table, a bunch of them missing missing like limbs and stuff like that, trying to like pass the potatoes or something and then or, or like you mentioned relations. Think about the former enslaver meeting his son who was his slave on the street. That's scholar Derek R. Spires of Cornell University and nationally known comedian Josh Johnson talking about how freedom seekers and abolitionists used humor in their writings and work. The setup for questioning conversations is a discussion between academics and artists about lesser known black operatives who were part of the Underground Railroad. The series is being created with Michiganders behind the scene. I'm April Bear, and you're listening to the Stateside Podcast. Dr. Annalisa Cox, based in Saugatuck, is a non-resident fellow with the Hutchins Center for African and African-American Research at Harvard University. Joshua Harris is a former Detroiter who now lives in Grand Rapids. He's a videographer and owner of 630 Visions in Grand Rapids. And you already heard the voice of Flint musician and composer Anthony Feimster Jr., or simply Feimstro. He scored the music for the Questioning Conversations series. Maybe we could start with Annalisa. Could you give us some background on how this video series got set up and how it came together? Absolutely. So Questioning Conversations was actually something that came out of a brainstorming session between myself and Dr. Diane Miller, who was until very recently the director of the National Park Service National Network to Freedom program. And this is a program that a lot of people don't know about. It's a relatively new branch of the National Park Service, which has as its main goal to discover, research, and prove underground railroad sites across the United States and make their history known. We were both saying that that's such incredible work. They've managed to locate over 700 sites from Nantucket to Hawaii across the United States, including over 25 here in the state of Michigan alone. But just being really frustrated about the fact that people don't know much about this program. So thinking about ways to kind of shine a light on that 
and also shine a light on some of the most exciting discoveries being made by historians about the Underground Railroad. So we came up with this video series, which we titled Questioning Conversations, which were between some of the top scholars in the United States in conversation with really dynamic and interesting artists, media personalities, musicians, comedians, and aiming this at a really sort of young, diverse audience, an audience that may not have always felt welcomed by the National Park Service or kind of included in their projects. But honestly, we were hoping that anybody would be interested in this and just got really, really lucky to be able to find an amazing Michigan-based team to work on this project with me. Joshua Harris, you're the video artist who's been involved in the series. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came in on the project? Yes. So I think it was around April of 2022. I was working with a colleague of mine, and they introduced to me Dr. Annalisa, saying that you know she was in search of a videographer, a Michigan-based videographer, and intentionally a videographer that was also a person of color on this project. And so got a chance to meet Dr. Annalisa and she was telling me about the vision of the organization, but also the, the vision for this series. And for me growing up in Detroit as a uh, African-American male, yes, I am familiar with the Underground Railroad from, I would say from an elementary or at least from a face value, definitely hearing a lot about Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman, and knowing that, you know, the Underground Railroad wasn't a physical railroad, but instead it was a system that was put in place for freedom seekers to make it out of enslavement, but into freedom. And so when I heard about the program and the vision behind it, I saw it first as a learning opportunity for myself. Not from, you know, oh, this is a, another project or an opportunity to utilize some skills in the videography and editing world, but more so given my heritage and, and my understanding, this was a, a education experience for me. And that's what it has been. Fame, can I ask you a little bit about, you know, where you came into this and what questions you, you might have had about the Underground Railroad at the start? Yeah, some of the questions that I had things that I was wondering about because I had no knowledge of the Underground Railroad. Um, <laughs> I feel like the school system failed me greatly in that regards. But mm. I think that a lot of it was just more so just what the vision was for the concept. I was very intrigued because, you know, it, it was a very interesting fact. And a lot of the things that I wanted to learn about, like Joshua stated, at first it was a learning curve. And that kind of helped me implement myself into the project. Yeah. I have a question for, I guess, both of you, Fim and Joshua. With a project of this kind, you sort of have some upfront choices about the extent to which you want to invoke a period, you know, this historical period, and the extent to which you want to connect with people's more contemporary emotions and thoughts about this today. Mm -hmm. Did you two have conversations about how that should work or, or just the, the way that these two elements would, would play off of each other? Maybe, I don't know, Joshua, do you want to go first? Yeah. So for me, the way that I look at the whole project and the testimonies, the stories, the information that's being shared, one, you have to look at it both from the context of the time frame 
that is being discussed, but also you have to look at it from the dual lens of what does it look like now? And I think when you're looking at history, you have to do it across the board because there's nothing new under the sun. And where I'm going with that is, is that there are nuggets of wisdom. There are nuggets and lessons that that carry over throughout time. And so for me, like I said, because everything was a learning experience, in some cases, you know, comedy is a big thing for me. And one of the videos touches on humor and satire that was utilized during that that time frame and the same elements, the same topics, the same emotions and, and concepts that were caught from the works then it's the same thing that I will see now in today's satirical movies or even um, you know jokes that that I come across of. And in regards to video and those elements, I always said, and I t- told Dr. Annalise and, and even talked with Anthony that the content itself is good. It's rich. It can sell itself. Someone when someone sees it, when someone hears it, they're going to connect with it. The thing for me was to help to bring that content and to, to add, as they say, some garnishments if you if you like to cook. So that not only are they hearing it, but they also feel it when they get it visually. And I believe, and I'm not going to speak for Anthony, but even from a musical standpoint, it's a full meal that they're enjoying. Yeah. The episode that you referenced specifically is the one with Josh Johnson, for those who know his work, uh, sort of sort of throwing him in the pot with Professor Derek Spires from Cornell. And it's just there's <laughs> there's some great intersection there between the two of them. Like Joshua said, as it relates to the dual lens side of things, there's a lot of factors that have to be played. And one of the things that for me as a composer I was very aware of is that each video, kind of like how you talked about this full course meal. Well, you know, each video had its own identity, which kind of brings forth different emotions. So, for example, the wonderful Josh Johnson series that was that was recorded and, and shot, it had a lighter, upbeat representation in some of his conversation. And so I tried to convey that musically, whereas The Hawaiian series where we talked about Ethan Allen and some of the things that were allowed and not allowed if you were, you know, from um, the Hawaiian descent or whatever it may be. That was a lot more emotional in some instances. And, and, you know, once you all get a chance to check that out, you'll, you'll understand what I mean by that. But there are moments where I had to pull elements from the times that came before me to tie those elements back together to make relevant now in different episodes. And I think that was Oh, it was so good. I'm sorry. It was it was so amazing because the process for an individual like me is that I'm learning while presenting myself. I'm learning. I'm taking it all in. And on the other side, I have to take notes. I have to be engaged. I have to convey the message through sound. It was a very, a very great experience. I'm just thankful for even having the opportunity to be exposed in this manner. A lot of times, you know, we're, we're reading books that are outdated and we're, we're talking about different things. But this questioning conversation, it brought everything to light. It was present. It was active. It was fresh, which made my job a, a lot easier from a composing standpoint. We're going to pause for just a minute when we return the current state of Underground Railroad research and artistic techniques used in the series to share some of the forgotten tales to a 21st century audience. 
Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. This is the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Bear. Let's continue my conversation with the Michigan producers behind the National Underground Railroad Network to Freedom Questioning Conversation Series. Annalisa, how would you describe our current state of research on the Underground Railroad? I mean, this series feels like an important step in sort of how, how we tell the story and who gets to tell the story. Exactly. Great point. So... It was really important to Dr. Diane Miller, who's been directing the Network to Freedom program for the National Park Service for a number of years, to break out of some really strongly held myths about the Underground Railroad. You know, there's a few African-Americans who are sort of held up over and over again, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth. But as she said, it's not just all Quakers with hidey holes in the attic. It's a much deeper story than that. People of African descent were central to both operating the Underground Railroad, and obviously they were the freedom seekers. So presenting their stories front and center was really important. And we had these really exciting scholars like Dr. Taya Miles at Harvard University, Dr. Derek Spires at Cornell University, who are doing cutting edge research on this and discovering really exciting new facts about American history, about the importance of the Underground Railroad. And I learned a lot as well. I hadn't known that there was a freedom seeker in Hawaii that landed there in the 1810s, became very important to the Hawaiian court. I didn't know that the roles that women played as freedom seekers. There's just so much I, as an historian who thought I knew a lot about this, was learning about this. I even learned a lot about the Midwest and the fact that the Great Lakes were a watery underground railroad, incredibly active African-American sailors and staff members on these ships before the Civil War, sailing all over the Great Lakes and helping people to find their freedom. Joshua, Anthony, the production choices that you made for this, there are elements of it that you might see in people's social feeds. Could you say a little bit, maybe Joshua, about why it mattered to have these stories told in a conversational style where it's just confronting history almost one-on-one? I would say nowadays, when it comes to social media, when it comes to people's feeds, we want to receive value. Whenever we look at content, we want to receive value. We want to be able to, one, formulate a thought, an opinion, which makes it shareable. In some cases, it makes it relatable as well. And one thing that we also talked about was the rawness. Rawness in regards to the visual aspect, 
the rawness in regards to what is being said and what is being shared. Mm-hmm. I think now in, in current times and modern times, there are not a lot of things that are being sugarcoated when it comes to like a younger generation, like mine, and then like those younger than me, like millennials and Gen Z, we appreciate the transparency. We appreciate the rawness. We appreciate, you know, the uncut look, you know, the boots on the ground. I mean, like I said, it makes it relatable. It's a certain amount of transparency that is taken when we see those type of visuals. And so even from a production aspect and how you you know, we went into that process of presenting the conversation. We wanted it, like I said, to be relatable, to be relevant because the conversation is relevant, but we want it to be shareable and to get the conversation started. Yes, the series is called Questioning Conversations between two panelists, but, you know, when people watch, we want to invoke conversations and questions for themselves to dig deep and do their own research as well. Absolutely. And if I could add to that, I just want to say how incredibly grateful I am to be working with Feimstro and with Joshua on this. They represent our intended audience. You know, they're young, incredibly talented, diverse. I was just asking them a lot of the times to challenge me and my preconceived concepts or my vision. And one of the best things about this project was that not only are we presenting these questioning conversations, but we were doing that within this team together. And I could get really honest answers from them. And there were times where they were helping to really not just helping, but they were leading this project forward in a way that I wouldn't have been able to. And I'm just incredibly grateful to them and their talents. I think of one moment conversing with Feimstro about what kind of music we should have for the intensely powerful conversation that happened between Dr. Taya Miles and the movie critic Jonita Davis about representations of enslaved women and female freedom seekers on film as opposed to the reality in real life. And he he said, you know, I watched that and I thought, we're talking about mothers here. And he said, I sort of wanted the music to sound a bit like grief-stricken, a bit like a moan. And he did that. He achieved that. It's just been awe-inspiring and wonderful to work with these incredibly talented young people from Michigan. Feimster, what about you? Oh, man. So the mindset behind having the skill set to convey a message through song is knowing your software, knowing what sounds work, knowing when to do things. I'm a big firm believer that in film, a lot of times silence really evokes reality. And there were moments where I really just got out of the way to allow the message to be heard as, as raw and as relevant as it is already. But I remember going into my computer and cycling through different sounds and trying to convey a message that was, like I said, not in the way, but present enough to where it lifted the concept. I'm a firm believer that music is like a plate to food, right? It's never the main course, but it's here to support the food. It's never trying to be the food. The plate knows exactly what its goal is. And the more I understood that, the more I pulled on those emotions, I believe the more it came to light to say, hey, you know, this is a challenge we have as it relates to tying in these musical elements without coming off as disrespectful and really showcasing the honor of a thing 
I think that was very, very imperative. It was a challenge because I'd never experienced nothing like that before, but I'm glad we navigated through that and produced an amazing project. Feimstro, also known in the white pages as Anthony Feimster Jr., Flint-based musician, who scored the series Questioning Conversations for the National Underground Railroad Network to Freedom program from the National Park Service. We've also been talking with Professor Annalisa Cox of the Hutchins Center for African and African American Research at Harvard University, and with Joshua Harris. He is the owner of 630 Visions in Grand Rapids and was the video artist who pulled the series together. Joshua Feimstro, Annalisa, thank you so much, all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To check out the Underground Railroad video series, just type Questioning Conversations into your preferred browser. That's our podcast for today. I'm April Bear. You can find full episodes of Stateside at michiganpublic.org. Today's pod was produced by Mike Blank. Other producers on the show are Ronia Kavansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our interns are Olivia Meradian and Lauren Neong. Our pod editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for today's pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions, from Audio Network, and from our guest, Feimstro. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.